Uh, So our scripture reading tonight is from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are just like a day that has gone by, or a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad as we have many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Now, for those of you who looked in the Bible when I read, did you notice who wrote this psalm? It is the only psalm attributed to Moses. And as you read the psalm, you you realize that one of the main themes of the psalm is time. A simple outline of the psalm would be, God is timeless, we are time-bound, sin has cut our time short, and God's wisdom and the hope he gives us helps us to use our limited time. Another way to look at this psalm is verses 1 through 11, here are the facts, 1 through 11. And 12 through 17, this is our prayerful response in light of the facts. So this evening, we're just going to take a little a stroll, a little walk through Psalm 90. Uh, it begins with the idea that God is timeless. God is timeless. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. A dwelling place is a place of safety or security. And interestingly, the editors of the Psalms put, made this one 90 and put Psalm 91 right after this one. And Psalm 91 is known as the Psalm of Protection. So this begins, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Now, why look to the Lord for our sense of security and safety? Well, the psalmist says, why? Because from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. None compares to you because you are outside of time. Now, scientists 
uh, well, some scientists, like to study time. And it's kind of interesting that time is relative to speed and gravity. So the faster you get to the speed of light or the mo more intense gravity you come under, there is actually a time warp. Like, if you were five minutes away from a black hole, which you would not be, let's just say, if you were five minutes away from a black hole and you had a watch with a minute and a second hand and you counted five minutes on Earth, I mean, I don't know what that would be, but it could be a thousand years because time is relative. Oh, that's, I don't know, that's weird. And so science fiction likes to take up this and it likes to imagine, oh, what would it be like to go back in time or what would it be like to go ahead in time? Or what would it be like to break the space-time continuum and go outside of time? It's interesting that humans like to imagine this. I don't know. I think you'd agree with me, but I kind of think that one of the reasons why we like to imagine that is, well, we were created by a timeless God. And we should, as humans, naturally want to reach out to the timelessness, want to reach out to God. So God is timeless. From everlasting to everlasting is what the psalmist says. Uh, second, we are time-bound. We are time-bound. And, and an interesting illustration is, is used here um, for us, a thousand years, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought time moved so slowly, I would never become an adult. I'm like, no, that, I'm never going to do this. I mean, second grade is taking forever, you know? Now time is flying by. But, you know, so we are time-bound. So a thousand years, whoa, this is a long time. But the psalmist says, to God, it's, this, this is a day. This, this, this is a watch of the night. Now, a watch of the night is four hours. And if a thousand years to us is like four hours to God, then that means the history of the United States is as long as this service. And your life, it's two hymns. We already sang that. You're done. That's it. Now, granted, the psalmist is using this as poetry. We should not look at the thousand years to four hours as you know scientific fact. It's poetry, and uh, the uh, the psalmist also says you are like like dust. Like you know, there's some dust, and then all of a sudden the heater kicks on, it blows. What where to it go? It's gone. Or it is like grass. Now this. This looks, uh, this, this actually is tassels from decorative grass. And uh, this is, you know, it grows up and it's, uh, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, wow, this is nice. And, and here I am. Oh, and, and there I go. So we are time bound. And uh, time, when you think about our lives and God's eternity, and even the history of the U.S. or the history of the world, 
we are, our lives, so, so short. So we are time-bound. Uh, third, then the uh, psalm goes into, boy, it, just a very downer part of the psalm. And uh, the reason for this part is it's, it's shooting straight with life. And life doesn't always feel good, and, and you can't ignore the truth. And the truth is our frailty as, as humans. Although we like to be so strong, we are so frail, and our time is so limited, and this is due, this is due to sin. And sin necessarily must receive judgment. And so there is a frailty. Before we get to verse 12, boy, I'm so glad the psalm went from verse 12 to 17. If it stopped at 11, not good. But before we get to verse 12, if the psalm just stopped here, I'll just say life stinks if it, if it stopped at verse 11. It does. And um, basically it's dying, death, dust, done, and it's all depressing. And uh, you see more and more people in this world, when they think deeper about their lives and they don't factor God into the equation, their life is stuck in verse 11 and very sad and hopeless. However, the psalmist continues. And uh, so this last part, welcome to wisdom and hope. And the famous Phrase, sentence of the psalm, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 39 has some similar words. I was afraid Pastor Greg was going to quote from Psalm 39, but alas, 102. This is good. This is good. Uh, 39, uh, verse 1, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. Why? Verse 4. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Verse 7, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Psalm 39 and, and Psalm 90 are honest about life. God is timeless, and we are not. And so what are we going to make of this? What is the response the response really is a beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. Now, prayer, what, what is prayer? Prayer is like, it's kind of like science fiction, but it's not make-believe. Think about that. Prayer, this is huge because it's not us just imagining. Prayer actually is a reaching out beyond time and three dimensions to something that is more enduring. It is to our creator. And as we reach out, what do we find? We find Almighty God already reaching out to us. And this, this is not just science fiction where it's nothingness or an alien or, or whatever. This is our creator, almighty God, who is knowable and who knows us by name. And too often people can reduce almighty God to, to something less. To me, I just think 
what a privilege and how even hard it is to wrap my mind around this gift of prayer that we have to Almighty God who not only created us, but created time itself and created three dimensions. And so the psalmist here reaches out to God and prayer. It begins with teach us, teach us. It begins with a place of humility. And you know as well as I, there are so many people that hunger for spirituality in this world, and yet they shape it and redefine it so it fits their lives better. They almost fashion it in their image. No, no, we cannot, we cannot do that. So we begin with, teach us, O Lord, in a place of humility to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us. In the next verse, have compassion on your servants. Compassion. You know, here I am standing in front of you, pointing my finger, use your time wisely. Yes? But I say to myself, oh God, have compassion on me. And as I studied this, I thought, in my prayers of confession, I need to include, Lord, forgive me for times when I have not treated time like I should, that I have wasted time, and I knew I should be spending time on this, and I spent time on this. Forgive me. Have compassion, O God. And how hopeful it is that in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus covers us, and there is hopefulness because you are forgiven. And yet it is very wise to not only be humble, but also be repentant and realize we don't have our act together. Oh, God, have compassion on us. The psalmist continues, satisfy us in the morning. Now, I wake up in the morning. I have a devotional time. Along with this, I am very satisfied with a little cup of, cup of coffee. And uh, actually, the coffee helps my walk with the Lord. It does, because it just gives me a... Years ago, I would fall asleep in my prayer time. I, I no longer do. So this is good, yes? But, you know, uh, I'm kind of a little connoisseur. I grind the beans, hand grind in the morning, pour all... This. So this is a nice cup of coffee. And there's part of it that is, it is you know, when it's cold out, it's, it's satisfying, Right? And I just bring this up because all of us have a lot of things in life that are satisfying. And I'm not knocking those. They're good. Like, a really good meal is satisfying. There are many. Being together is hugely satisfying. But this psalm, this psalm is dealing with some of the weightiest issues in life. This psalm is getting real with life and not life. And so this psalm needs to get to the, the deepest issue here. And so the psalmist says, satisfy in the morning with your unfailing love. With your unfailing love. And I will tell you, when things maybe don't go the best for me, you know, maybe it's a seventh grade middle school class, I don't know. You know. 
when things, you know, things don't, it just, those times bring me back, bring me back. What is the core of my satisfaction? That life works out for me, or everybody agrees with me, or is happy with No, satisfy me, O Lord, with your unfailing love. And when you are satisfied with God's love, what is the next thing? It says it here, gladness, joy, gladness. Gladness is repeated twice, and there's joy. And this is wonderful in this psalm that deals with the harsh realities of life and not life, that we can have joy, we can have gladness because of God's unfailing love. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. Your splendor, God's deeds, God's unfailing love, may we get it, and may our kids get it. Kind of, we need to keep passing this down to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. A little while ago, I was talking to a a woman in my church. Uh, She was 83 years old. The point is, she was the generation ahead of me. Okay? Now, and the Bible teacher at Timothy Hell, that's so good, you know. And this woman was she was she was frail, uh, looked weak, was not a was not a power broker on planet Earth. And I know a little bit about her life, and uh, she has many, many struggles. On this particular occasion, uh, we were talking after church, and she was sharing with me a particular health condition uh, that was not good in her life. And so she shared this with me. And then when she finished, she looked at me and she said, but you know what? God is good. God is good. And I want to tell you, I I was humbled by that. And I, I received it. Here is somebody who has, who has walked roads that I have not walked. She has experienced things I have not experienced. And although she may not look powerful in this world, this was a woman of God that was passing on something to me, just in my, not just in my mind, but in my heart as well. Passing on to the next generation. And I received that, and I want to tell you, that this is what I want to do, my wife and I want to do, obviously, with our kids. I want to do with my students at Timothy. I'm a generation older than them. And I want to say to them, do you know what? At the end of the day, the Lord's love is unfailing. Our God is strong. Jesus is king. And God is good. And that is something solid to take with you in this life of ups and downs, and you don't always know what's around the next corner. Passing on to the next generation, this is using time, our limited time, in a very wise way. Lastly, in the psalm, may the favor of the, of the Lord our God rest upon us. Now, this doesn't happen often in, in uh, the Bible here, that there's a footnote 
for a different translation of the word. Usually the translators are like, okay, here's the word. But you see here on this particular word, there is a little foot, there's a, you know, there's a footnote at the bottom, and it says, or beauty, favor or beauty. They, they, what does this mean? Th- this word, favor, beauty, blessing, everything good. This is just a wonderful, awesome word. And may, may the favor, the beauty of the Lord our God rest upon us. And, and how? Rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. Each of us in this room have different responsibilities. And we take these responsibilities as something God has given to us. The work of our hands is, is, is the stuff of life. And we ask God that he would bless this time that we have. And it is good that we are responsible, that we do our work, whether it is as student, some place of employment, self-employment, at the home, wherever we are, whatever our responsibilities, at the end there is a prayer, oh God, we need your favor upon what we do every day. This is a gift from you, and I want to use this time doing these responsibilities in a way that honors you. So this is the prayer of Psalm 90. In response to this, the two facts, that God is timeless and we can pray to him, and that we are time-bound. So I would like to conclude with uh, just a few comments on what about your time? What about the teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom? Because life is short and rough, it should not lead us to doubt and despair. It should lead us to prayer. I need to work more on that little poem there. Uh, but anyway, it should lead us to prayer. And I, I fear that in our busy, busy, fast-paced, screen-dominated lives, that prayerfulness is not on an uptick in American Christianity, in the church as a whole. We need to be God is calling us to be more praying people. And it's something that we, we would struggle against because of, of so much that is around us, so much that is going on, so much to check and look into that are we neglecting prayer? At Timothy this past week, we had a, a spiritual life emphasis week in the high school, which meant we had chapel every day and a special speaker. Um, our speaker was the, the Timothy Bible teacher from the 90s, uh, uh, Jeff Klein. And uh, anyway, the reason why I bring this up is because I heard a story that I don't know if I have heard this from a student in a very long time, but this girl told me that 
after one day of chapel, God just had put on her heart that she needs to be prayerful. And uh, so she said her day kind of wound down about 9 o'clock. And then she said this, which I was very glad to hear. She said, I powered down my devices, plural. Oh, good. And then she said this, I spent an hour in my room in prayer. She also said that God touched her life in a beautiful, surprising, special way as well. And that's not why we pray to, so that that, but still, I, what a beautiful story. But a high school student that said, I'm going to devote more time to seeking God. So we're wise when we are prayerful. Um, also, we are wise when we hold on to life. This is an acronym, H-O-L-D, hold on to life. Okay? H, we're humble. And this is using time well. O, we're obedient. God's word calls the shots in our life. Teach me. O, obedient. L, we live in the present with our, our present responsibilities before us. What we are to do at this point, we see the present as a gift from God and a way to honor God. L, live in the present. And D, don't forget the distant future. Eternal life. The Lord Jesus has conquered sin and death. To this psalm, in these verses in the middle that are so depressing, enters Jesus to conquer sin and death. And he is, he is with us now. We are his children. And there is a promise. The distant future, eternal life. Humility, obedience, uh, living in the present, but also remembering eternal life. D, the distant future. So, what is wisdom in regard to your time? A question we all need to ask ourselves is, how do I waste time? And maybe there's something that's good that's not in moderation. I, I don't know. But, and that answer is different for different people. Um, I'm not going to go into all of the uh, possibilities. But it is an important question for us to ask. How do we waste time? Time. When we understand time is limited, that should affect us. When we understand it's limited, that should affect us. Uh, this summer, I was mowing the lawn, and I looked at the radar, and rain was coming. Point is, I had limited time to mow the lawn. So I did not go, oh, let me look at this yard, this project outside or this project. It was because of the limited time, I was very focused on the task at hand, especially because I had an electric mower and I didn't want to get electrocuted. I, I was focused on the task at hand. Earlier this summer, my son 
uh, moved out. This was a good thing. He was not kicked out. Okay? He moved out. Um, and this was good. This was the next stage of his life and responsibility. Two weeks before he moved out, it hit me. The lad is leaving. The, I mean, we'll see him again, of course, and, you know, we talk to him once a week, but I'm like, I, I said to him, I said, all right, every day for the next two weeks, you and I are planning a time to be together, to do something, we'll walk to McDonald's, whatever, or we are going to do something, doesn't have to be big, for the next two weeks, every day. Our time is limited. I, I, I want to talk to you face to face because of limited time. This is wisdom. When we think about this beautiful gift of life, the gift of hope we have in Jesus Christ, and also the limited time that we have. May God give you a heart of wisdom.